Hello and welcome to another episode from my laser-focused positivity podcast series. My name is Stuart Harding and I am here five days per week, usually, from Monday to Friday to try and hopefully make you feel more positive than you perhaps were before you started listening to this podcast. I say usually because usually I am here five days per week. I have had a few days off due to other commitments which I have, but I will try to be here as often as possible if I can, from Monday to Friday for the foreseeable future. Since I last did a podcast, I have had three emails. So thank you very much for your emails, folks, those of you that have sent me them. And one of those emails was from someone called Dina Mason. Thank you very much for your email, Dina. So the title of today's show, which is Teachers, Your Purpose, Stress, The Old Lie, and the law of attraction, bit of a long one there, but that is the title of today's show. And that was inspired by the email which I received from Dina, which reads as follows. Hi, firstly, I'd like to start by saying how much I live, I think you mean love, love and appreciate your podcasts. I'm so happy I found them and they are so helpful and inspirational. Thank you very much. Thank you for your kind words. I am currently a student sitting GCSEs this summer. I'd like to say I can be quite positive and organized when it comes to these things. However, I'm finding school hard at the money. I think you mean at the moment, as there is a shortage of teachers, which is so demotivating. I can imagine. I know I need to go home and learn for the exams. I have set out a timetable and organized good websites to learn from. However, the issue is I get so stressed. All my friends and family know how stressed I get. I just want to get the best possible grades, and for me, that means revising really hard. I have anxiety and working on it by listening to podcasts and motivational books. I am really interested in the law of attraction stroke assumption and would love to hear a podcast on it, as well as tips for staying calm and de-stressed when revising and how to get out of the stressful mindset. The stressed mindset, rather. Thank you so much for all that you do from a sincere student. Thank you very much for your email, and uh, I'm going to tackle that today. I did write some bullet points for today's show, and I was it got so long-winded. I have so much that I could talk about on this matter that in the end it ended up becoming a novel. So I abandoned the bullet points, and for the first time in a long time, I am just doing this literally off the cuff, and I'm going to try and dissect what I can from this email in the order that I see it, in the order that things jump out to me. So the first thing, teachers, where do I start on this one? Don't get me started. Anyway, I digress. Right, teachers, I can understand you say that it can be demotivating. Teachers are presumably hiding from COVID and anything else they can find to use to hide from school. In my experience, there's a great many teachers who aren't, in it for the right reasons. And you can hear this quite clearly. If they were, they would be passionate about what they do. And many of them, the language they use is frankly appalling. And, you know, they talk down to children. And to me, they're not in it for the right reasons. And we know for a fact that many of them are in it for the holidays, hence why so many of them are not going to school at the moment, as Dina testifies. The problem with this is that if, if you don't get people that are in it for the right reasons, then they're not going to have your best interests at heart. Okay, so I know it can be demotivating, but don't be surprised if people who don't put, talk positively towards students and put them down a lot of the time, don't be surprised if these people don't have your best interests at heart. And when you need them the most, they bunk off school, which is what they don't like students doing. 
So don't rely on people that aren't in it for the right reasons, okay? One of the things I'd like to see, going off on a bit of a tangent, is if I'd be interested to see how many of your teachers would have actually applied for the job in the first place if they only got the statutory 20 days holiday like everybody else gets. That would be interesting and that would be something I'd like to see. I'd like to see teachers made to train the other eight weeks of the year, the other eight weeks of their 12-week holiday, so that you know less of them would be going into the profession for the holiday and more for the love of it and for the good of the students. You know, they say that they, oh, they're marking books the whole time. Well, that's interesting because in turn time, it doesn't seem to take them six weeks, i.e. the summer holidays. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to take them six weeks to mark books. But miraculously, when it comes to the summer holidays, it seems to take them six weeks to mark books, apparently. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, so don't put your faith. The first thing you say it's demotivating when teachers don't turn up. I can imagine because I used to be in a band, a little three-piece band, and the other two guys weren't, with the greatest of respect to them, they weren't as motivated to make music as I was. So eventually I started doing it on my own. I started doing solo gigs, and I enjoyed I enjoyed being in a band more, but I liked doing it on my own because I didn't have to rely on other people who weren't as motivated towards my dream as I was. Okay, So you know, if you've got a dream to achieve, which may or may not include include qualifications i'll get onto that in a minute then your teachers are not going to be as motivated and inspired by your dream as you because it's your dream okay it's not theirs so don't put your faith in others when it comes to your dream the only person that's going to make that happen really is you in my experience and you know once you keep telling yourself that you won't feel as demotivated when people who aren't in it aren't as invested in your goal and your dream as you are let you down so that's the first thing that pops into my head. Your purpose. If your purpose is strong, with regards to motivation, again, in my experience, if you know why you're doing something, so you say you want to get good grades, you know, I can understand that. But why do you want to get good grades? Do you have a specific job in mind? If you do, then perhaps you need those grades for that specific job. Personally, in my experience, grades don't count for nearly as much as people think they do. But for some jobs, maybe if you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, you would definitely need a degree, I would imagine, in this day and age for that sort of thing. But you need to be clear on your purpose. In my experience, when you're very clear on your purpose, your longer term goal, then you you don't become as the, the vision becomes clearer and you don't become as demotivated by setbacks and hurdles and people letting you down along the way. OK, so the clearer your longer term vision, the clearer your why so your your reason, your why am I doing this, your reason for doing something, the clearer that is, then the less likely you are to be demotivated by the little obstacles and hurdles which crop up along the way, such as teachers not turning up for school, though the irony. Okay, so that's your purpose. Stress, how do we deal with stress? The first thing that popped into my head when you spoke about stress was that I think that you're perhaps over emphasizing the importance of qualifications and this leads on to the next part of the title the old lie teachers and careers advisors will ram the importance of degrees and further education down your throat uh, they never once ever mentioned to me that i could actually go self-employed i've been self-employed since 2012 you don't necessarily have to work for other people that's one of the things which should take the stress off of you. But of course, if nobody's ever told you that, then you would think I need good grades. Otherwise, nobody's going to employ me. Well, you don't have to wait for other people to employ you. You can employ yourself. That is an option which I never, ever heard a careers advisor say to me or a teacher for that matter. 
And I say this because, for example, I my worst grade, this, this might be useful to you, my worst grade at school, I got a GCSE, I got four B grades, four C grades, a D and an E. And the subjects that I got B grades in, I went on to study at A level, which was English literature, theatre studies and maths. I kept getting ungraded and F grades for math. So I ended up dropping that in accordance with the advice I was given by the teachers. I stuck with it for, I ignored them to start with and then I stuck with it. But, you know, I just couldn't get the hang of math. So I focused my attention on what I was good at, which was English and theatre studies. And I passed those. But my worst grade in my school life was an E grade. The E grade I got was in IT, computers, okay? And I applied for, in 2012, at the end of the global recession, I applied for 2,482 jobs before I actually lost count of how many I'd actually applied for. Many of those in the field of online marketing, and they kept saying that I didn't have the experience. So I thought to myself, I've had enough of this. And it was actually, if I don't know if you ever watched Dragon's Den and this Scottish guy on there, the entrepreneur Duncan Bannertime, something stuck with me and he said, the best time to employ yourself is during a recession. When we were at the end of a global recession, he said, because who's going who's gonna to fire you? Who's going to sack you? And that always stuck with me. So in 2012, I bit the bullet. I had about a quarter of a million Twitter followers at the time. And I basically started my own business and I charged people to advertise through my online through my Twitter account. I built my own website. It wasn't the most impressive of websites, but I built it. And I was in business for just under five years. And of course, my worst grade came in IT at school. And all of these people said that I lacked the experience when it came to computers. So there's one piece of evidence that grades are not as important as you think they are. And as you're being sold, being told they are, which is why I call it the old lie, because it's been told since the beginning of time. Another example, an even bigger one. My uncle, who recently died two or three years ago, when he was at school, he told me once when I was at a barbecue with him that his teachers said to him that he would never amount to anything, essentially because he he was illiterate. He's practically his entire life. And my granddad actually told me a story once of how my granddad actually lent £10 to my uncle when he didn't even have £10 to his name. And my uncle died a self-made millionaire. He set up his own business, which was, I don't know whereabouts in the UK you live, but if you ever see lorries driving past with fowls written on them, F-O-W-L-E-S, that was my uncle's company. He since handed it to his son who now runs it. So there's a guy who left school completely illiterate and at one point without even £10 to his name, who went on to become a self-made millionaire with no qualifications whatsoever further proof that you don't need qualifications and that you can work for yourself. However, I am not suggesting for one moment that you should just not try at school. My opinion on that is if you have to be somewhere by and do something by law, obviously you have to do your GCSEs by law, then you might as well do your best while you're there. If you do get grades, it's better to have grades than not have grades. All I'm suggesting is that grades are not necessarily the most important thing and all they really all degrees really do G GCSEs and A-levels to me in my experience I've never met one person who's been asked for their GCSEs off of an employer I've never met one person that's been asked for their A-level grades either all these things are is a stepping stone towards your degree and of course there are some professions where you require a degree but in my experience the majority of degrees are only proof that you can apply yourself 
to something, you're disciplined enough to apply yourself to something for long enough that an employer can see, okay, this person sticks with something, even when they don't have to by law, this person is diligent. And to me, that's no different to joining the army. I know a lot of army people because I live in, I'm from Windsor originally, where there's two barracks. I met a lot of army people in my time. And a lot of these people find it quite easy to find work because an employer thinks, wow, this person was in the army, they're disciplined. So all getting a degree, unless you're going for something specific to become a doctor or a lawyer, all it really proves is that you can discipline yourself. And there's many, many ways to do that, such as running your own business. So I wouldn't put too much emphasis on school. However, certainly do the best that you can while you're there. And hopefully now that I've said that, and if you keep that front of mind, you know, you won't see it as the end of the world. You know, if you don't get fantastic grades, it's not the end of the world by any means. And there was another thing that I was going to say, which was supply and demand. I trade the financial markets. I'm not going to bore you with the details of that, but the financial markets is about supply and demand. Okay. When there's a demand for something, people get paid more or something is more expensive. When there's not a demand for something, and it usually means there's an oversupply. If there's an oversupply, then that asset is not worth as much. And the reason I'm bringing this into it is because I used to be in a snooker team with a guy who said that when he went to university, I'm assuming that's where you're trying to get to, he said that only about 2% of people in the UK actually went to university at that time. Now, back then, if only 2% of the population went to university, and if we assume that they all passed, I'm sure they didn't, but even if we assume that they all passed, they would have been in demand. If only 2% of the population had degrees, those people would have been in demand. When someone is in demand, employers pay them more money, supply and demand. However, when I left school, and I think it's even higher now, 72% of the people that left my school went to university. I didn't because I didn't, I'd, I'd had enough of the whole institution the whole education institution but if 72 percent of people all come out with degrees obviously not everybody passes then there's an oversupply of people with degrees okay of course there's different subjects but generally speaking there's an oversupply of people with further education qualifications and as a result of that the people with degrees won't be paid as much in relative terms you know relative to the cost of living as they would have done back in the day when only 2% of the population went to university because there's an oversupply. And to make that point, this is one of the reasons why people with trades, so skilled laborers such as carpenters, plumbers, etc., people that do non-sort of university type jobs, these people are getting paid a lot of money now because where so many people have gone to university, there's not as many skilled people left because the population is made up now of more academic people, people with written qualifications in more written-based skills. So this is why plumbers and carpenters, etc., are being paid a lot of a lot of money these days because there's demand for them. There's not an oversupply. There's an oversupply of academics. Okay, so keep that front of mind as well. And it might you you want to do well in your education, but you don't want to. If too many people are doing the same thing, then it's very hard to to stand out from the crowd so you need to be doing something different if that means getting a skill in something which is more a trade then so be it but you know it also has to be i'm keen to add something which you enjoy you need to do something you enjoy um so what else was there let's just refer to your email this is i don't want this getting too long Um, and i'm just going through your email um 
it, yeah, it sounds like you're very organized. It sounds like you've got your head screwed on and you're very much on the ball. Stressed. Uh, we've covered stress. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, possible grades. Anxiety. Yeah. One thing I would say, the first thing that popped into my head about anxiety is be mindful of the language you use. I don't mean, <laughs> you know, like swearing or anything like that, although that is a factor, I suppose. But when you say I have anxiety, for example, I write down every morning, I write down the affirmations, I persist until I succeed. I write down, I'm a consistently profitable trader. I write down, my music and my podcasts affect people in an infectiously positive way. I write down, my words inspire others to better themselves. And I write down, I am very grateful for my life. For my life, I do this every single morning. And the reason I do this is because by saying these things, by writing them down, you're hardwiring your subconscious to believe what you tell it. And when you hardwire your subconscious, your subconscious mind go sets about during your daily life, prompting your conscious mind to do things which are in alignment with what you've programmed it with. So when you, the reason I say this is because when you say I have anxiety, whether that's true or not, you're programming your subconscious and your subconscious mind goes, oh, okay, this person's anxious. How do we keep this person in an anxious state? That's actually what happens. So whether you've got anxiety or not, which to a large extent, sometimes solely can be reversed by the way that you think. Sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes your chemical levels in the brain have changed and it's very difficult to do something because it may not be something which you it may be a physiological problem. But typically speaking, saying I have anxiety and I say this to my mum, who's also got anxiety, I tell her not to use the word anxiety or to not use it as much as possible so that she's not accidentally wiring her brain to believe what she's telling it. So you want to wire your mind with thoughts. One of the things that pops into my head about anxiety, many people spend far too much time on mobile devices, on computers mobile and mobile devices. And this causes a lack of social interaction. Okay. If there's a lack of social interaction, you're more likely to feel anxious in certain situations, which in my mind is why many people drink so much these days and why many people started to drink so much from the 1990s onwards when people were spending more time on their computers. What a coincidence that people started having games consoles and staying at home a lot of the time. So to uh, help with anxiety, you want to you want to be as sociable as possible. You don't want to spend too much time on mobile devices. You know, I know for a fact that I'm not able to sleep as well. If I if I'm on my phone before I go to sleep, I generally am not able to sleep as well, even though I have the blue light filter on it as if I have an hour or two before bedtime where I don't touch any mobile device or computer. So with anxiety, you want to wire your mind with positive thoughts. You don't want to be why if you're worried about your grades, you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, what about what if I don't get the grades? What if you're wiring your subconscious again, you're wiring your subconscious to think about you're, you're picturing what happens if you don't get the grades. Picture what happens if you do get the grades. Write down daily affirmations each morning. It has to be ones that you believe in, but you know, write down things that and gratitude write down things that are positive that you believe in and write down things that you're grateful for when you're grateful for things in my experience you're less worried about what doesn't happen with your life moving forward because you're already grateful for the things that you have okay that doesn't mean rest on your laurels don't work hard and all the rest of it but gratitude helps you to not worry so much about what may be in the future because you're grateful 
for what you have right now. That's one thing I hear consistently amongst successful people that they do. They practice gratitude. Uh, what else could we talk about? Um, da, 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 da. What else is there on this? Uh, stress? Just going through your email again. Motivational podcasts and books. That is a very good idea. And as well as myself, there is a guy called Nat Baroche who does the Be Positive, Stay Positive podcast. Feel free to search for him. He actually inspired me to do this, which actually leads on to what I will probably talk about last, which is the law of attraction, which is what you were talking about. So I've ended up doing these podcasts because somebody else inspired me to do so. So when you listen to podcasts, they say that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. I think in this day and age, we can include people that we watch on YouTube or people that we listen to. So if you're listening to people like myself who are trying to have a positive impact on people, then this will rub up, rub off on you. And, you know, I, I am effectively in your inner circle. And in the same way that I listen, listen to Nat Baroche, he's inspired me to do this. So his words have rubbed off on me. So the law of attraction the Buddhists believe that you operate, you resonate on a certain frequency and you attract people of that frequency. So if you're thinking, if you're stressed about school and you're thinking, oh no, what if I don't get the grades? You're going to attract more of the same. You're going to attract more people like that into your life. And that's not going to be helpful. You want to be hanging around with people that want to do well at school, but that are not worried. They're not stressed about the consequences of not doing well. Okay. That's, that's the perfect mixture. You don't want to hang with people that aren't stressed about school, that don't want to do well or do anything in life that that's not going to be helpful you want to hang around with people that you know want to do well but are not getting stressed if they don't because then you will become that person which is ideal a person who wants to succeed but who doesn't might you know is not afraid of the consequences you know stress has physiological effects on you and i know this for when i was 17 i was doing my gcse's obviously uh, a levels by this point rather my parents split up and I developed a skin condition, which I still have to this day called psoriasis, which is an autoimmune disease. It's not contagious, but it causes my body to produce too much skin. And basically my autoimmune system was irreversibly reversed when my parents got divorced and the symptoms presented themselves a month afterwards. And this is because when you get stressed, the blood flows from your vital organs to your arms and legs, because back in the day that would have been useful when you were running away from a woolly mammoth, for example, because the blood flowing to your arms and legs would have made you run faster and that would have helped you to survive because you probably would have been able to run away and then the blood would have flowed back to your vital organs. However, when you're stressed and you're stressed for a prolonged period of time, the blood disproportionately goes to your arms and legs, but it doesn't go back to your vital organs, which damages the inside. So it's really important. If you look at presidents and prime ministers, look at them before they got in office and look at them afterwards, look how much they've aged. That's what stress does to you. The blood is not going to where it should be. So I'm going to have to end this, I think, because it's rumbled on enough as it is. There is probably more that I could talk about. Feel free to email me back with anything that I missed or anything else that you'd like me to talk about. And I will certainly talk about that as well on a forthcoming show. But the law of attraction you basically attract people which re resonate on your frequency. So keep your frequency high, keep your thoughts positive. And if you have to practice daily affirmations each morning, uh, as I said, writing them down, if you don't know what they are, feel free to search for them. And what I do is I write them in the present tense. I always write my affirmations in the here and now. So I am not, I will be, I will be as future tense. And basically, as I understand it, 
you create neural pathways. When you write stuff down about yourself, positive things down, you create a thousand, about a thousand neural pathways in your brain, which helps to wire your brain and your subconscious. When you speak them or think them, I think it's only about eight neural pathways. So you're still doing something good. You're still wiring your brain in the right way, but you're not creating as many neural pathways as if you would if you were writing something down. So hopefully that has provided you with some value. Of course, you know, I did GCSEs many moons ago. And if I had my time again, I genuinely wouldn't have stayed on at school. If I knew then what I know now, I would have actually left at 16 and I would have done all of the things that I'm doing now a lot sooner. Uh, but uh, that is it from me for now, folks. Just a reminder to you or Dina, if you'd like to email me again, completely up to you, then you can email me your queries or conundrums at stewysongs at gmail.com. That's S-T-E-W-Y-S-O-N-G-S at gmail.com. And I will endeavor to tackle them, your issue or issues on a forthcoming show. And if you'd like to check out my music, you can do so via L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Stewie Songs. And both my email address and this web address should be listed in the description of this podcast. And depending on which platform you're listening to this via, they should both be clickable as well. But Dina, give those teachers a kick for me. Get them back in school. They're playing truant. That's no good to anyone. <laughs> anyway, I hope you've taken some value from this, folks. I will be back tomorrow with another podcast. I may do these off the cuff. I do like the scripted approach, but it takes a long time to script, record, and edit. It's a lot quicker for me to just record things off the cuff. But that is it from me for now, folks. Have a great day. Stay positive, And I will speak to you again soon. Thank you very much indeed for listening.